What's up, everyone? How are we doing? Uh, long time no see. Uh, I wasn't here last week. I was uh, somewhere in Texas enjoying the fun stuff. Uh, but now we're here to talk about Orange County Soccer Club. And man, I I'm going to ask this right now and we'll talk about this. Is it time to get a little nervous? I know it's early in the season, but I, I don't think this is where any of us thought the club would be uh, at this point of the season. We'll talk about that much more. We got a guest jumping onto the the stream. I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I'm going to keep doing it anyways. Welcome to the podcast of champions. This is the orange and black soccer cast. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, the first and only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans, and supporters. Follow us on Twitter at OCSC underscore SoccerCast or on Facebook at Orange and Black Soccer Cast. How's it going, Orange County? Welcome to another episode of the Orange and Black Soccer Cast the first and only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans and supporters. I'm your host, Ray Samora, and I'm here to take you through this journey as we discuss all things Orange County Soccer Club. Let's jump in and see who's going to be helping me out for this episode. Oh, Brad's going to be jealous. Brad will be jealous because first we are introducing the original member of this podcast, Mr. Dylan, a long time, at least for me and you on the show together, long time no chat. How are you doing, my man? I'm doing all right. Yeah, um, it has been. I, I did step in poorly last week in your regard. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, when things aren't going super well, uh, it's not as fun to chat footy. So um, at least there's more people to do it this week. Yeah, how are we going to do it this week then if it's not going too well? Um, and I don't know if anyone notices, but me, but I, I feel like there's some technical stuff going on on my end at least. So hopefully if anyone else is noticing that it's not, or maybe it's just me, who knows who else is joining us tonight? Um, let's see, drum roll, drum roll. It's Mr. Brad, Brad, your background matches the background of the show. So it looks really matrix esque here going on. What's up, Brad? Oh, nothing much, really. You know, I'm not actually upset being the second one on the show tonight because, you know, Dylan's kind of earned his keeps as long as I am. And I see we're sharing the same beverage tonight. Yeah, we, we are, I think. There we go. Um, yeah, Bud Light. And we don't we do not harm Bud Lights on this show. I'm just going to let you know right now. Um, the other person that is joining us for this, Dylan, Dylan looks really nervous after I make that comment there. So I apologize. Look, man, we might not nervous. harm them, but I don't want to exactly come out and say that, like, this is a good beer worth drinking. Yeah, like, I'm not. I, I don't think Brad said it. I haven't said it, that it's a great beer to be drinking, but we're drinking it anyways. Uh, Larry, what, what an introduction for you. We're, we're sort of debating the quality of a Bud Light while we're introducing you. How you doing, Larry? I am doing absolutely fantastic. And just to let you all know, I am not drinking Bud Light tonight um, because I was inspired by young Mr. Keith Jenks at uh, last Wednesday's game. I went out and purchased myself a bottle of uh, Redbreast 15-year-old Irish. Ooh. And, oh, dear God, sweet Jesus, it's just wonderful. It's just wonderful, and it makes me happy. And I, I bought a bottle of 12 and a bottle of 15, and 
I had to get permission from my girlfriend to make that purchase though. But I, that doesn't matter. I got him. And life is grand. Life is good. Soccer team's not doing fantastic, but that's going to improve. So let's just talk about this. I mean, man, struggles so far early in the season. I, I want to say I, I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to say all of us uh, that are on the screen right now had some good expectations for this club this season, going into the season. We looked at the schedule. We thought it was a tough start um, when you look at the, the lineup against Louisville City, against Tampa Bay. Obviously, Las Vegas, we should have got three points on that, but uh, we'll blame Brad for that one for being a resident there in Vegas. Uh, but did anyone think at this point we'd have, what, three points? Is that where we're at? Three points? Am I right? Two, zero, three, something. Three. 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 Okay. I was right. Well, I, I said it, and then Brad's like shaking his head. I think he was answering the other question. Yeah, um, that one. Is is this now? Are we in worry mode? I, we'll we'll talk about the last match. I'm not trying to get skip past that. We'll talk about it. But is it time to be in worry mode, Dylan? Um, I think we've been in this mode um, for probably about 365 days at this point. I, I feel like we didn't get off to a great start last year, and you know, let me put this way: I think, um, and the metric in the past has been 10 matches at a time. Uh, we're halfway there. Um, we're falling behind schedule pretty quickly. So I would say we're five matches short of being a year into kind of being in this panicked mode. Um, and, and we'll get to it in a second, but if we don't start scoring more, yeah, it's it's panic time. But at the same time, it's, <laughs> if you're second bottom after five, there's only one more place you could go. So... And I'll get, I'll ask you this question, same question for you, Brad, but I mean, at least, I mean, at this point of the season, it's not as scary being at the bottom as say come October, September, whatever that you don't want to be bottom at that point of the year. There's still time to change and move up. But Brad, are we worried? I believe we're worried a little bit. Um, Last year, the narrative 10 games into the season, five games into the season was dropping a lot of points uh, from winning positions. This season we've, technically dropped four although i think only one of those games we were in a winning position for the majority of the game being the tampa bay game um we're just not getting into those positions that that we should be in where we're winning games and like in the um in the game against las vegas we never had a lead in that game and that's how that's how we're gonna earn points and earn our way up the ladder larry same question for you. Are, 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 how worried are you right now? Um, early on in the season, still a lot of time to to change things. Um, two years ago, it worked out for us. We changed things. We went on a nice run after a coaching change. Last year, we sort of were a little bit confident because we were coming off that championship run where we're like, okay, they could turn it on at some point. They could turn it on. But I think last year proved us uh, to us that we, that doesn't always happen. How worried are you right now? Um. I'm not going to use the word worried. I am going to use the word disappointed after five games. Um, I am going to use the word concerned because whereas Birmingham is not uh, off to a particularly good start, they are still a historically strong team. Indy has been playing some very, very solid football, and those are our next two games. Um, so not worried, disappointed, concerned, 
things have to change. Things have to change real quick. Um, like Brad just said, we need to start scoring goals. We need better possessions. We can't just keep kicking the ball up over the top and praying for Ronaldo Damas to outrun everybody because we don't have Ronaldo Damas on the team this year. Um, and Milan's not the same player that Ronaldo was. So, yeah, um, I, I things are going to turn around. We got 29 games to, uh, you know, to flip the script. And I still believe this team can. We have a lot of injuries right now, a lot of players down. So, um, yeah, we'll just uh, – we're in wait and see and hope mode. Well, and, and we got to think there, there there are a good amount of uh, the key players on this team that are sort of new to this roster this year um, that are, you know – and obviously you can't just throw – this is not video game soccer where you can throw – a bunch of uh, 11 different players onto a roster and just start winning right away. It takes this, uh, this thing called chemistry. You got to build some of it throughout the season. Uh, it, it's something that USL fans are all familiar with because it, it's a yearly thing, adding a lot of new players to rosters. You don't have that consistency. Uh, let's talk about the most recent match that has uh, some of us fans a little worried um, because it ended in a loss. Although I don't know, even a draw might've been worrisome for some people on this. It was uh, a match in El Paso. Uh, I don't know who was closer to this match. Was it me in like the uh, New Brunfel area or was it you? I think I was a little bit closer. I, I I was looking at the map when I was flying to and from, and it looks like El Paso is like right in the middle between like those areas. But um, I, I was jokingly telling my family, let's make the drive to El Paso. But then I realized it's not that close. Texas is big. Um, thoughts on this match. I'll go. Who wants to go first? I'm going to open it up and let someone pick first. Dylan. Raise his hand. Go Dylan. First, here. Um, first, I'm going to start with the geography. It takes uh, longer to drive from El Paso to the eastern border um, of Texas, we'll say Texarkana, um, than it does to drive from El Paso to Los Angeles. So uh, we were probably, I guess you were maybe ever so slightly closer. Um, this was a difficult match to watch, I think. The only thing it was missing was that we didn't concede from a cross. Instead, it was it had to be Yuma too. Uh, just an awful scuffed shot that um, you know falls uh, right to their feet. And at that point, you don't have to beat anyone. You just pick pick your corner, pick the far corner. There's not much you can do. Um, we offered chances going the other direction. Um, I mean, we're watching Emil uh, Nielsen miss one right now. Um, Milana Lowski had one. Eric Calvillo did some of the best defensive work I think I've ever seen him do. And then um, Bryce Jameson, man, he, he kind of reminds me of a very early um, 2021 Ronaldo Damas where, you know, they're, they're foot wide, they're six feet wide. Like if he can start converting those chances, I think this is a different team. We take a lot of points from, from games because he is fast and he finds himself in all these really dangerous positions throughout matches. But you know, we can't buy a goal right now and we can't stop conceding. Um, you know, sorry, at the professional level, we can't buy a goal. Um, and that's frustrating to watch. And it's frustrating to watch us try and do the same, the same stuff that we've been doing for, what 18 months now around that um when it doesn't come off when it comes off that's all great and then when it doesn't come off for the, about a year 
then you get matches like this. And I think everyone else is going to echo a level of frustration about watching us hoof the ball forward and, and hope for something good to happen. Larry, do you agree with Dylan on uh, his thoughts on this match? I guess I, I think he took it into sort of the bigger picture thing. I mean, while be, before you speak, Larry, I mean, we're watching some of the highlights on uh, the live stream here and Orange County had opportunities. It's, it's not like they didn't have opportunities to potentially get a goal. They just couldn't uh, capitalize on it. And that seems to be at least early on in the season. That's the recurring theme. But what were your thoughts on this match against El Paso? Um, again, disappointed. Um, Dylan was spot on. I mean, there were opportunities there that we did not take advantage of. Um, Calvillo heading that ball off the line from Milan's header. I, in rewatching the in watching the replay of that, it almost seemed like it was a little bit too lazy and a little bit too confident on Milan's part to try and do it that way. I realize, uh, you know, it's it's all going so quick at the time that. It seems like the right thing he should have done, but also he probably could have chested that ball down and put something a little bit more forceful um, to put it in the back of the net. But you know, what do I know? Uh, I know that one thing that I found absolutely amazing um, was um, while we were sitting here watching the game, uh, Carrie, who enjoys going to the games with me and enjoys watching the games with me, but doesn't really know a whole hell of a lot about soccer use the words they have no creativity and she was spot on correct because literally at the same time she was saying that matt elder was putting that into the discord server so if carrie can see that there's not a lot of creativity then obviously the team is lacking creativity it's uh um like dylan said they keep trying to do the same thing over and over again and the very definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting the same result well are expecting a different result. Well, we're getting the same result over and over again. Uh, we had opportunities. We missed those opportunities. Um, we have the team has to uh, capitalize on those opportunities without question. And they Brad, have to your analysis uh, of what you you know from this. I, I know I don't think you really watch much of this game, but from watching some of the highlights, hearing what you heard from some of the people that actually paid attention to the match, reading what you may have read about it. Um, and maybe answer Larry's question of like, how can Orange County take this roster and get creative? Like actually have some creativity out there. Is there anyone on this roster that maybe can fill that role for Orange County that's sort of missing that creative midfielder? Yeah, no, um, I agree exactly with what Larry said and more specifically what Kerry said. Um, what the team is clearly missing right now is creativity. You go watch a Orange County game and then you go watch a, I'll say Monterey because they're probably one of the best scoring teams in the league right now. Uh, well, they are the best scoring team and look at how orange County handles the, the break versus how Monterey does. Monterey is using Sam Gleadle who's carrying the ball across the field. And then they're having another person running and they're scoring like that while orange County is hoping the ball and hoping that someone's going to hold, hold up play and, and do, what Ronaldo Damas was able to do and score off just hoofing the ball. We have players who are proving that they are very capable of when given minutes creating and finding some spectacular runs. Bryce Jamison right now, five games games in is probably my second MVP on this team, only to Kevin Partita. Um, just because 
he's creating, he's making these spectacular runs. He's making some defenders look stupid. But when he's looking to cross the ball, either nobody's there or they're just missing some easy shots uh, that Bryce is absorbing some pressure. And highlights in this game alone just kind of prove that. We have another special talent on our team who hopefully, you know, hopefully this is a bit of the icks where we're only getting, you know, we're not scoring, but something's got to change there. And hopefully something does change. I, I mean, there was another match that happened this past week that looked a lot nicer for Orange County fans. I think, uh, uh, you know, there was a decent turnout for an open cup match on a weeknight. Um, I know that's not the biggest draw sometimes. And, and I know it was Capo FC, which is what? two, three levels down the pecking order when it comes to U.S. soccer. I don't really know exactly where they sit. Uh, but, you know, it, it's one of those matches against Capo FC. Orange County was expected to win, and they did. Although, it, it, it took a while for them to sort of figure out how to, to break down Capo FC, but they figured it out, and once they did, um, it's one of those things, you know, when you're playing a lower division team, once you sort of break them, it, it, they sort of crumble really easily, and that's what Capo FC did. Uh, was there anything out of that Capo FC match? I'll go to you, Dylan. Anything from that Capo FC match that Orange County needs to maybe take that and build on that uh, for you know the, the the run in the U.S. champ USL championship? Yes, yeah, sc- scoring. Uh, <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> look, if, if we're going to concede a goal a game, we have to score, we have to score two minimum. Um, because but we're already obviously, so yes, score obviously more. Capo FC is not the level of the USL championship, but there, so it's going to be easier to score against them. It, was there yeah. anything you saw from that match that can be a positive for orange County that they could build off? Of? And if you didn't see anything, it was just literally, we were the more talented team. So obviously we scored, it was a little bit easier for us. Great. But if there was anything there was, I mean, this is where these matches against the lower teams is where you need to find those little sparks of creativity, those sparks of moments, those moments that you can build on when you're struggling in your league play, right? Yeah, uh, absolutely. I think one of the better developments that I saw was maybe not an event on the pitch, but seeing, uh, excuse me, Alex Villanueva um, much higher up, um, really actually finding himself in the middle of the pitch, getting on the ball more instead of, um, tracking up and down. He's plenty fast, but if we're going to hoof the ball forward, we need fast people to get there and we need more than one. If he's not as good defensively coming back from being a winger to just becoming a wing back and really an attacking wing back when we are defensively shaky, um, it's good to see him pushed up there. So that's, I think, the joy is he's a, he's a creative player and he's a fast player. And I think as he gets used to being back up there, higher up in the pitch, and hopefully tucked in a little bit more uh, centrally, that that's another little key that we can use to try and unlock some of these defenses. Because playing against us isn't particularly difficult. You can, um, you know, cross the ball. We talked about this last week. You can cross the ball to the far post and either uh, head it in, um, pretty much uncontested against against kind of the run of play, or you can uh, knock it across goal and have it happen. Um, or you can soak up 15 seconds of pressure from Orange County, wait for a mistake, and then hit them on the break um, because we are not a particularly 
uh, fast team when it comes to defending. This is actually how we've beaten El Paso in the past was soak up a bit of pressure, recognize that one of their center backs is, I think, a 37-year-old Yuma, and you just hit it over his head and let someone run onto it behind. Um, so we saw we nearly conceded a second goal uh, that very way in this match. So, um, yeah, scoring more is what I'm going to go with, but allowing players that aren't necessarily the most defensively minded uh, to get into positions that are going to better suit their abilities. Time to give you the tough question, Larry. Going off Dylan's sort of analysis of what to take from Capo FC, how do you implement the strategy of score more if you're Coach Richard Chaplow? Kick ball, make ball, hit back of net. It, oh, is it that simple? Is it really that simple for Coach Chaplow to turn things around? Is is with that? What, what is that? Almost sounded like you were trying to do a haiku or something there. Um, no, but you didn't no. quite get it all um, in there, but no, of course, of course, it's not quite that simple. But you know, uh, the team needs. Uh, uh, there was a stat that I noticed uh, prior to the start of the game against El Paso. Um, they showed passes completed. Now El Paso's played a couple more games than we have. But they had something like 2,300 completed passes versus our 1,500 completed passes. Dylan's making a face right there. And they, yeah, um, early in the um, preseason games, there was a lot of ball movement. There was a lot of passing. There was a lot of communication between the guys that were on, on the pitch. And the team is not seeing that same kind of ball movement, um, at least – my opinion, um, so far to start this season. And I think that 1,500 completed passes through four games, uh, what is that, 350-ish uh, completed passes? Uh, that's not a lot for a, a professional soccer game. Um, I think they need to start moving the ball more, and they need to, going back once again to what Kerry said, the, there needs to be more creativity. Just simple as that. It's uh, uh, what's being tried isn't working. So we need to find that creativity and we need to find, find the damn back of the net. Uh, you know, Emil can't miss that, uh, that goal um, quite as badly as he did Saturday night against, because if you look at where the ball went, it wasn't a particularly good effort. Um, he, he could have put a better shot on goal. Um, so I think create creativity and implementing some more creativity and some more ball movement and getting the triangles uh, set up around the pitch. I don't see us doing a lot of that. And I think that's, I think that would definitely help the team. So Brad, you get to, you get to sort of analyze uh, Russell on the live stream and saying, basically we need to try and score early. We need to come out looking like we're a U16 team, be aggressive, get an early goal. And we'll, we'll, that'll fix things. Do you agree with that? Uh, that thought, is it that simple? Just be aggressive and get a goal early. Actually, yes, it is that simple. Um, we we make too many mistakes that we have to play back and and kind of fix ourselves from that why can't we just be the ones to score early um our biggest problem is we get behind uh because of something bad we do and we have to play 60 minutes down a goal and make make another mistake maybe um, or when we do score a goal, we go back and immediately concede again. So it is as simple as, you know, come out with a better game, pl game plan early on and start scoring some more goals. 
I, I'm going to have to sort of agree with that. I mean, Russell, I, I, I'm anyone that's listened to this podcast for years. And I know Russell you have is I'm a big, big fan of high press, a high press system, pressure, 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 be aggressive, get that ball back and do quick counters. Uh, that is sort of what I love. That's what I like to, to see on the pitch. Unfortunately, uh, over the last few years with Orange County, this is going back to Coach Brayden Cloutier, uh, it, it's more of that absorb pressure attack. What, what did we call that in the past? Was that like Mourinho, Mourinho ball or something like that, right? It's it's soak up the pressure and then hit on the, a quick counter if you can. Um, I'd rather just put the pressure. I'd rather uh, – I always tell my my players, go attack. Go attack the goalie if he has the ball. Go attack the defender. Make them make a mistake. Um, it's easier to uh, – to score a goal when, when the other team is fumbling the ball, stumbling, uh, they just made a mistake and now they're trying to, to re- recover from it. Right, Dylan? You're absolutely right. Um, and if we think about the level of quality in this league, um, I mean, there's a reason that the top clubs in the world, the most successful clubs in the world, um, the majority of them do play this, this gig and press this uh, possession based. If you can press your opponent into making a mistake, you're going to win the ball higher up the field. And we'll touch on this probably again in a second, but you don't have to run nearly as far when you do this to actually reach it into the goal to create a chance. And that's kind of the issue we have right now, where if you're hoofing it from your own 18, um, Milan's getting the ball or Bryce Jameson's getting the ball, probably around the half line if it's the first or the second ball. And they've got to run 50, 55 yards to get to a position where they can uh, score with some regularity. So yeah, pressing is probably the way to go. And, you know, there's a varied level of talent in this league, but especially not fully polished teams, not fully polished players that are likely to make a mistake uh, if you press at them really quickly. So, you know, it's worth a shot, but we might not actually have the pace to to make this happen. But, but we do, I mean, at least on the wings, right? If you have like a Osandina, you have a Bryce Jamison out there. They're youngsters that we've seen them play. They're, they're pretty aggressive out there. They're, they're willing to lay it out on the line. That's what a youngster typically does. Right. Um, that's what makes them shine under the lights. That's what's making Alex Villanueva look really well is he's out there. Like they're, they're giving their all. They're still trying to fight for their spotlight. Uh, where some of the older players maybe have already had the spotlight, so now they're professionals and they're 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 not worried specifically about how they do in the match. They're trying to prolong their career. When I Brad, you put your finger up real quick. And I know Larry yeah. has a thought too because I see it in his eyes. I'll I'll be quick then. So we just had Taylor's uh, message uh, on the on the little uh, ticker down low. Thank you for putting that back up, Andy. Where you know they can't play if they don't have space. I think that's the one thing we've been doing good all season is winning the ball back, uh, pressing well. Uh, I think what we're doing wrong is as soon as we get the ball, there's just nothing. There's no plan. There's no action. Nobody knows who's going to be the threat to score. And there's missing that that step once we get the ball. It's like an if-then statement, but we don't know what to do when we get to the then. Go ahead, Larry. I, no, I'll just piggyback there off of what Brad said um, in regards to getting the ball back. Um, Kevin Partita has been phenomenal at that um, so far this season. 
he he made a just a beautiful sliding tackle to take the ball away from uh, El Paso player on Saturday. I can't remember exactly when it happened, but it was just it was it was one of those. It was really the only moment in the entire game where I did a little half leap out of the chair with a fist pump, and yes, it was beautiful. Um, and if we can get more of that out of more players, then that's going to make a considerable difference. And but again, like Brad said, have a plan afterwards. You can't just can't just lay a boot into it or, or, you know, sit down and pass it back to uh, to Cody and then Cody out to Foxy and then Foxy boom it down the field. There, there's got to be some, uh, there's got to be some movement. There's got to be a game plan. There's got to be, um, <sighs> God, what's the word I'm looking for? I'll think of it eventually. Um, Once you think of it. <laughs> Carrie's yelling from the bedroom. Uh, some better alternatives. That's what she said. There Maybe she needs to be um, on the show and I need to sit out. I don't know. <laughs> so here's what we'll do. We're going to talk about how Orange County can make improvements in their upcoming match against Indy 11. Let's put that on pause really quick. Really quick, after our matches, let's just see what our scores are on our prediction game. And then we will move on to a bigger and better things. Look at that. I am shining there with one point on the season. Um, so technically, I'm doing worse than Orange County is doing this season. And I think our scoring system allows for more points uh in matches so i'm really struggling on this uh but it looks like who's who's the smart person in our group here i can't quite tell is that uh, uh taylor and dylan dylan and taylor oh you yes. guys are smart good job or you all are smart let me let me say it right you all are smart uh and then we got andy still looking good in the writing team and the community at large look at that look at logan logan is looking looking really good there with his 10 points uh and lucas with nine points pretty pretty good going on there um so that's how things are going and remember, get your predictions in if you want to be part of this this this, this match. Um, you should know how to do that. If you don't know so, then Brad's going to be very disappointed in you um, for those that are looking to participate in that. Uh, we'll get into the, our predictions for the Indy 11 match. Um, we'll we'll uh, figure out uh, really quick. Um, before we bring our next guest on, uh, you all, everyone knows who our next guest is going to be. But Dylan, favorite moment, uh, favorite memory of our next guest before we bring them on. Um, you know, he's, he's lifted two other cups in his career, but it's, it's gotta be the last one he lifted for me. Uh, that was, um, well, and you were there for that moment. Yeah. So that, that's, I mean, that was the, that was the greatest night in the club's history. Uh, and, and what, what a privilege that he was a part of it. I mean, he was a, he was a huge reason for that. What about you, Larry? Uh, any, a, a different moment or is, is what Dylan shared there? It, it, it is a different moment, but it, the different moment led to Dylan's moment. And that was against Colorado taking just flat out the most professional of red cards, accepting it, knowing exactly. Cause I talked to him like the next week about it. He knew exactly what he was doing. He knew exactly what was going to happen. And he had so much faith in the rest of his team to go another, what was it, in the 30th minute, I think that happened, um, to go the next 60 minutes and go on and win the game. Taking that red card against Colorado in the second round of the playoff. Second round, am I right? Second round? First round? I don't remember which game it was. It was so long ago. First round. It was first, first round. round. It was first round. when I was right. there. I, I was not there because I'd thrown my back out. I was watching on TV. Um, but, yeah, that for me, that is my favorite moment from uh, – Mr. Rob Kiernan. Brad, do you have a favorite moment? 
You see, I don't have many moments, but that was the one moment, that Colorado Springs game, that I was able to be there and, you know, you've never seen a guy run so hard to get a red, red card in his life. Well, let's just bring the man on that that did that. He's I, I can see him in the green room. He's got a little smile on his face. Uh, he knows exactly what we're talking about. There, this uh, Orange County SC champion forever, Mr. Robbie Kiernan. Uh, Rob, welcome back to the show. I know you've been here before. Uh, let's go back to that moment because both Larry and Brad loved that moment from you. And I know Dylan even loved it when Larry brought it up. Um, and I love Brad's statement. You've never seen anyone run so hard to get a red card. Um, what 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 are your thoughts on on hearing a fan the fans say that? Um, we know what that meant to that championship run. I'm sure you do as well. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's funny. You uh, first of all, hello guys, hope you're well. Um, I was just listening to what you were sort of saying there, and uh, you were spot on. Um, through my mind, it was like, listen, if I don't if I don't intercept this, and if I don't do something right now, then then we're in trouble. Um, and yeah, you're right. I had to take it. And I did have faith in the boys, especially I knew what they could bring in terms of togetherness. And we, we kind of built that season off, you know, you know, clean sheets, being defensively strong. So I think it was the 30th minute. If my memory serves me correctly, around the 30th minute, um, the ball gets slid in between me and Brent. And I thought, oof, we could be in trouble here. So I thought the box is maybe five yards away. If I take him here, if I touch him and he goes down, I know I'm going off. But in the same breath, if I don't do anything and we go go down, it's a big battle. So uh, looking back, uh, I do believe it was the right thing to do. I knew exactly <laughs> what was coming my way. I couldn't really argue with it. We did actually try to um, to argue with that, but I, I knew, you know, straight away. You know, I was the last man. I, I was going to clip him and try and do it outside of the box. Um, so, yeah, things happen quickly. And I suppose you have to react, you know. So it, it paid off in the end, I suppose. And then we flash forward, right? That's basically a championship-saving red card that you took for the team there. Uh, and it, the, 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 the thought process going through your mind, I mean, you knew exactly where you were, what you were doing. You had to get to him before he gets to the penalty box because once he's in there, that's pretty much conceding a goal to the other team, and that's, that's difficult. So, I mean, props to you in that moment. I don't know many players that can, uh, that can think of all that in that moment. And yeah, I suppose that comes with a little bit of experience. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a split-second decision ultimately, and, you know, as much as I had a lot of faith in Pat, it's like a million things go through your mind in a split second and, you know, experience comes out, I suppose, in the end and you kind of just do what you have to do. And, and, and like you said, that, that all comes from experience and you had a nice career. Ladies and gentlemen, for those that don't know, Rob uh, had to go on, uh, was it Instagram recently and announced the retirement. I'm sure he wasn't quite ready mentally for it, but uh, I believe physically you just knew that it's time to do that yeah. and, on and, and do better yeah. things. Unfortunately, um, you know, just for those that, you know, maybe not aware, um, I've had to retire due to a hip injury that I've been battling for about best part of 18 months. So during that season uh, that we did win the championship, I had a torn labrum and I was playing with that for about three months. Um, I was taking about eight painkillers a day to just to try and sort of train and get through. I wasn't quite, you know, quite 100 percent. Carrying injuries is, is a little bit difficult because you can't really place your full potential because you're always kind of wary. If I do this, this might be, you know, the, the movement that sends me over the line and, you know, I won't be able to even play or train. Um, so essentially, we, ha- we got through that season. We had 
um, two or three cortisone injections into the hip labrum. Um, and during the off season, we tried to go down the route of doing a PRP injection and just seeing if we could, you know, let it calm down, let it heal. Unfortunately, that didn't work. And then as I was waiting for my work visa for the following season, I was training on my own with the fitness coach at the time, Johnny, he was, he was top man. And we were just, uh, you know, doing our own fitness. And then we finally got the work visa through and I trained for, I think one day, two days prior. And then I had to, let's try and get some, some game time in. Unfortunately, the, the reserve game that I played in was, was at the great park and, the field wasn't great and it was pretty much sand and I kind of went in for a slide tackle when I just felt my labrum tear instantly. Um, from there, we tried to rehab it again and come to the decision that we had to operate on it. And once we had the MRI scan, we, we saw that the hip bone had to actually get shaved. So we shaved the hip bone to create a bit more room. Um, but again, unfortunately, through all the rehab, it's still very much the same pain. It's it doesn't seem any better than what it was. Um, and you come to the decision medically with the doctor who, who basically says, listen, this could take up to two years to get to a place where it's okay. There is no guaranteed results of that. Um, you know, I'm 32 years old. I've had a, I've had a long career, but, um, you know, it, fortunately I can't, I can't keep playing with pain. The pains, you know, it, not only does it affect playing, but everyday life a little bit. So, um, yeah, it's come, it's come at a time where I, I thought 32 would be, you know, still would have three or four years left at least. But, you know, unfortunately, it's made a decision. And, and yeah, here we are. And it's, it's a difficult decision that everyone makes at some point in their life is when they're going to retire. For athletes, it's a lot earlier than, than most normal people that are working a, a regular, you know, nine-to-five job or whatever. But for someone, like, how difficult was coming to the final decision? You've been involved in soccer going back to – uh, your youth career in Watford, uh, what you started there in 2000, I believe, as like a nine year old or something like yeah, that. that, that so that, you've been playing, yeah. you've been playing for quite a while, uh, you know, in competitive soccer uh, or football back, uh, back home. How difficult is it? Because, you know, you have this potential hope of, hey, in a couple of years, you might be able to do it. How difficult is it uh, to come to a decision like that uh, as someone that's been doing this their whole life? Yeah, I was actually six years old at the time when I joined Watford. There was only an under-9s team available, so I was actually playing sort of three years above my age, which was great, obviously. I went through the academy system, and it's, it's all I've ever known. So um, coming to terms with it is quite tough. Um, it still probably hasn't quite sunk in, if I'm honest. Like, it's a little bit, you know, I find myself kind of, you know, just pinching myself and say, hey, listen, like, your life's different now. That's one chapter and it's a book you've got to close. But it's not a nice feeling, I'll, I'll be honest with you. And it's, it's quite a lonely place. Um, you know, kind of alone with your thoughts a lot. Um, you're always thinking, hey, I can get back. I can do this. I can do that. But, you know, when your body's not also showing you the results or, you know, feeling better, it's, it's tough. So, um I suppose for the boys, the foreign boys that I hear, you don't have family, you don't have, you know, your, your relatives around you. It's, it's a quite a lonely place at times. I've, I've got, unfortunately, I've got, you know, some good friends and stuff. But, you know, I suppose being being away from home and making this decision and, and, you know, having to accept that fact that it's not your mind giving up, it's actually your body. So it's tough. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm thankful. I'm, I'm, I'm proud. Um, and I think the next chapter now is going to be 
you know, is going to be a good one. Um, Rob, where, where, I mean, where to begin, but um, this next chapter, I know you like to, to moonlight as a hairdresser. So is it just all youth coaching? Are you gonna, you know, become the official uh, hairdresser of Orange County? I mean, what's what's next for you for those no, who um, aren't aware? Yeah, for sure. Listen, I suppose when you when you start creeping towards your latter stage of your career, you're always kind of thinking what's next. And you know, we've been we've been building an academy since um, since I suppose sort of last year. Um, and mainly, guys, it's just to focus in on what I believe is missing here in, in, the, in the States. And I think that at club level, a lot of the players that we see and the professional level, we, we kind of neglect the importance of how important individual training is. You know, we talk about practicing in teams and tactical stuff, but the top players that I ever come across or, I, I, you know, I speak to or speak about, they're always doing the individual stuff. And I think that a lot of players need guidance. I think they need to get repetitions. They need to be, you know, taught how to to dissect things and actually understand and repeat them until they become a habit. So that's something that I'm very passionate about. As well as that, I like to mentor the younger boys that are, you know, stepping into the journey of being a professional. It's it's not as glorified as it as it may be seems. There's a lot of there's hard lows. There's a lot of dark times. There's a lot of loneliness that comes along with it. So I think being an older player that's done that journey, it's nice to give back a little bit and just put your arm around them and, and try and, you know, guide them a little bit. So I think for myself, the next stages are definitely going to be involved in that. Um, and we also are in the, in the sort of process of, of becoming an academy, you know, alongside a school. So we're going to be launching a school in September for young players who are going to be getting their educational stuff as well as replicating what the academy system looks like back home. So all under one building now and, and really see if we can help develop young talent to be top, top professionals. Hey, Rob, Larry here. Um, I, I'm sure you heard us talking about some of our favorite memories of you. And I actually have a second one. And it involves that goal that Miko scored, that walk-off goal where he ran and jumped over the barrier. Then all the rest of you came as well. Um, <laughs> I was lucky enough that sitting in the front row there of the County Line Coalition, I was leaning right over. Miko came straight at me, and everybody was right there. And I remember you, and I know you won't remember, but you looked right at me, and you just had this look on your face. You woo! And it was beautiful, and I probably slapped you on top of the head of a few times. So I apologize for that. Uh, hopefully, I didn't give you a concussion. No, you're good. You're good, mate. I remember that very well. I remember it very well. It was a great moment. But my question for you here tonight, um, talk about, talk to us and tell the guys listening, what are some of the other really great moments? We know you've lifted cups, so those are going to be on the list. But what are some other moments that maybe we don't know about that will always sit with you um, from your time, from, from your time out on the pitch? Um, initially, just coming here and, and moving to America was such a big life change for me. Um, and obviously, we, we came off the plane and two weeks later, it was COVID. So my, my, my first year here was a bit, of a, a bit of a myth, to be honest with you. It kind of just felt surreal at times, you know. So finally getting out there, traveling, seeing a bit of the country, playing at different stadiums, you know, playing in the heat, playing in different time zones. It's, it's a lot more challenging than what people think. Um, and of course, listen, I've had some great times back in the UK, but I always wanted to, to come out to America. I used to come here on a holiday from the age of 21. It was a place that it offers so much. And Southern California is, is the dream. You know, people would chop off their arm to be here back home. So when the opportunity came, I knew what was coming because obviously Harry was here and 
he, you know, I came to visit him the year prior and actually spoke to Braden and I said to him, hey, listen, like, you know, if there's an opportunity for me to be here, I would love to come. Um, and, you know, a year later, it was uh, signed on the dotted line. So um, it's going to be, it's going to be a, an accumulative memory of America in general. Um, and I think moving here was a cherry on top of, of, a, of a career back home that I always wanted to do. And I knew that I could come here and influence the team. I knew that I could bring value. I knew that if we got together and had team spirit and a bit of fight and a bit of, you know, organization and a few leaders, then we could do this. You know, I don't look at anyone and think, oh, you're a good team. We can't beat you. And I think that year, Ronaldo up top was an absolute blessing. He was he was outstanding, you know, the things that he used to do and the work rate and the distance he covered. And he was, he was like having two strikers at times, you know, we get to things he had no right to get to. Um, so I'm just proud of what we've done. I'm, I'm proud of that. You know, it's, it's not easy, regardless of what anyone thinks about the USL or, you know, whatever, you know, level they might compare it to. It's still a challenging season. It's still tough. You know, there's people out in this league that are very good players, you know, and, and mixed in with, you know, a lot of, like I said, things that are different time zones you know heat you know all that kind of stuff it, it's, it's, it's hard so I'm proud to be sitting here and saying hey listen I've done it and you know I'm, I'm, I'm proud of what we've done so I got one question for you you're clearly uh you know when it comes to talking Orange County and the Ring of Honor you're a you're a top five top three player for most people's uh choices but who's the toughest competition you faced in your time in the USL like Who's the hardest person you had to defend against? Good question. Um, I put it this way. Um, I wouldn't like to play against Milan. Okay, so I never played against Milan, but I honestly, I rate him so highly. Um, there was no one that I thought was, wow, you're a standout, like, you know, in comparison to what I played against back home. I, I always thought Phoenix were quite tough. I thought they were organised well. I think they're some good players, especially going forward. But I wasn't really, I wasn't really, you know, ever taken back by anyone. If I'm completely honest, you know. But like I said, if Milan was playing up against me, <laughs> bless him, I would definitely try and hurt him early because uh, I'm sure he would cause me trouble. <laughs> so. Uh... Rob, I got a quick question for you because we know you, you're doing the the soccer academy type stuff. I believe you do that with former player for Orange County, Harry Forrester, as well. Yes, um, who's the better player, you or Harry? Oh, definitely Harry. Yeah, you um, guys. As a young boy, this boy was crazy. He got bought for a million pounds at 16 years old. So, so don't underestimate how good this boy was. Um, we had great careers together. We played together four clubs. Obviously, listen, he's an attacking player. He scores goals. He creates goals. He's, you know, he used to have a bit of magic. I was just someone at the back who could organise and shout and defend and, you know, distribute the ball well. So I'm sure to the public uh, and to spectators, he's obviously way more exciting. But I think we could probably argue that we, we might be just, you know, level and uh, we both bring qualities for sure. Way to, way to sell yourself short. Very, very humbly British. Very modest uh, there. Yes. <laughs> Um, all right, we've got we've got a couple of viewer questions that we wanted to ask, and, and please plug yourself away. Um, I want to start with, I mean, you're doing the academy stuff. Do you have any interest in the manager side of things or specific coaching roles? Um, currently, no. And the reason for that is because it's obviously results dependent. And I believe that 
unfortunately, at this level, you are always going to get let down by mistakes of players. And I don't believe that's a true reflection of, of you as a coach or a manager. Um, I do believe that... I, I, I would say this. I'm more interested in player development. I'm more interested in taking a player, developing them, and to, ready for you to go to the next level, um, as opposed to a team as a collective. Um, but listen, never say never. Um, I don't have my eye on that. Um, but I, I believe that I, I, I could bring value, absolutely. To, to younger players, I could definitely bring value, for sure. Well, the, the future is young. Um, Robbie, if you want to, yeah, yeah, we'll jump into the next question. Um, do you think that people come across from England? Obviously, you've, you've done this. You came from Southend um, and, and underestimate USL. Um, did you get your conversations with other people who have come from abroad? Did you get any sense of that? Yeah, um, I do believe that the, the, the league's evolved. I do believe there's very, very good players in this league. Um, for example, I believe, and I'll, I'll come back to Milan again, but I believe Milan could go to England tomorrow and perform. Um, I don't know what league that would be. I think he could definitely play in League One, maybe bottom half of the championship. Um, there are anomalies in every team, don't get me wrong. There are some good players. Um, I do believe you underestimate, yes. And the reasons for that, again, is the pitches aren't great. You know, you're playing on turfs at times. You know, that's hard. Going to Vegas, playing that heat, um, is tough. The boys here are fit, they're strong. They're, they know what they're doing, they're organised, you know. But they also... There are sometimes they lack quality. So the biggest thing for me is that the quality is different. Uh, back home, you make a mistake, you get punished. Back here, you can make a mistake and maybe get away with it uh, two or three times. So the quality is definitely a difference. But I would, I would, I would say this: a lot of the boys that come here definitely, definitely turn around and say, "Wolf, it's actually a lot harder than I think I thought, I thought it was." You know, um, I don't believe that if you found USL teams and they went back to England, for example, and played in the Championship or League One or League Two, I don't think they would get results consistently. Um, I think challenges here is coming here and playing in this environment, for sure. All right. Pitch us the academy. Um, how do we get more information? So we have a website. It's called prospectsocceracademy.com. We also have an Instagram, and we cater to young players from the age of six up to professionals. So we've helped five or six players now secure professional contracts, either in Europe or, or in America. Um, we have homeschool programs for kids. We have a school opening. We do camps with Nike, Nike during the summer. Um, myself and Harry now are going to be involved in that very heavily. Um, and yeah, it's been, a, it's been an, a privilege to see it grow organically. You know, we really do care about our players. We're passionate about what we do. We believe that we bring, you know, huge value to them. And I think that just having someone that's been there and done it, um, is such a is such a weapon to have, you know. And again, not just so much the physical input, more so, you know, the mental aspect and that mentorship. I just think that, you know, we want to see players emulate what we've done. There's nothing more than we would like to see them players go to the Premier League one day, you know, and have something that, you know, we could see as a project and a you know, as you know, part of their journey. So yeah, I mean listen, we uh we we're we're in our early days still, but we we've seen some really positive signs and the feedback that we've got has been amazing so far and you know, I'm really proud of what we're doing. Thanks, Robbie. Um, from from the champ to uh, from the Tampa Bay and everything in between. Thank you. Of course, pleasure. You know, Robbie, we appreciate you taking some time here uh, to join us on this. I know we could probably ask you questions all day long, um, and I I'm sure you'd, you'd great you'd be willing to answer them, and you would you know try to not tell us no. But we definitely want to uh, 
you know, be respectful of your time. I will say this, keep doing your work with the, the prospect soccer Academy. I've seen some shirts around with some of the, the young kids that I coach. Uh, and, and when I saw it, I'm, I did a double take. I'm like, Hey, where'd you get that shirt from? And they were telling me about the camp. I'm like, Oh yeah, I, I know, I know Harry. I know Robbie Keep yeah. doing it, keep working and, and get better. Um, but we appreciate all you did. And I know all of us on the show and everyone that's listening. I mean, we, it was an honor to watch you represent Orange County, lift that cup. Uh, and, and I know uh, the folks at CLC said you have an invitation to come join them anytime in the stands. If you want to come teach uh, the Orange County fans how to be real, real fans and how to chant the right way, <laughs> no, come on out there and good. let us know what to do. You guys are good. No, listen, I'd like to also just take this opportunity because, um, you know, I try to, to put something out there with the club and um, I, I would like to take this opportunity and just say, listen, um, genuinely thank you for how welcoming and supportive and you know how much you guys care about the players it means a lot um i want to say thank you from from my from my bottom of my heart i appreciate what everyone's done to support myself during my playing days through my injury days you know what i'm building now within the community what i'm, I'm here for and you know listen i'm part of part of the journey i'm part of the, the history i suppose so um, it's a proud moment and I'm just appreciative and thankful. So um, if you're listening, you know, I want to just say thanks. <laughs> and you forever, forever. There's only a select few players that are forever able to be called Orange County Soccer Club champions. And you're one of those, Robbie. We appreciate it. Look forward to, to hearing and seeing some great things from you when it comes to developing players. And, and by all means, join us in. Uh, the stands you're welcome back on the show anytime if you have any news you want to share with us welcome to join us at any point robbie ladies and gentlemen champion for orange county soccer club robbie kieran we appreciate you taking time to join us we are humbled for, for you coming on the show thank you so much robbie yeah uh best luck to what's next for you pleasure thank you team i'll see you soon thanks robbie see awesome. you guys enjoy all right who who, who here out of the three of us who's tearing up there who started tearing up uh, listening to Robbie there at the end. It, it, it's so awesome to have players recognize um, and, and feel the love. Uh, and, and I know I'm not always at matches. I only go to a few matches here and there when I have opportunity. I have a lot of other stuff I do. Uh, there's a lot more of you that are fully committed and going to every single match. Um, but the, the love and appreciation that the players have shown, we've, we've talked to multiple players that noticed that. Um, so it's awesome to hear. Um, how do we move on from that? We, we've got just a short bit of time. So we're just going to do a quick little talk about the return of Aiden Quinn and Indy 11 coming out to Championship Soccer Stadium. Um, this is really fast-paced here. We spent a lot of time with Robbie, great time with Robbie, but we still want to talk about this. But just really quick, Dylan, thoughts? Um, are we excited Aiden Quinn's coming back to the Championship Soccer Stadium? And uh, what are your thoughts on this match and your prediction? Yeah, um, I still feel very positively about Aiden. I know that is not a particularly universal thought. Um, I don't see us getting anything from this game. Uh, that's it. What's your prediction for this game, Dylan? Oh, whoops, I forgot for that obvious part. I'm going to go 2-0 in the 11. All right, Brad, I'm going to go to you next. Indy spent too much money this offseason to be better than what they were last year. Um, 2-1 Indy. All right, Larry. 
Uh, we'll always uh, welcome Aiden Quinn to Championship Stadium with open arms, with a handshake and a hug, and a great to see you, Aiden. Uh, great human being, USL Championship Hall of Famer, if they ever create a USL Championship Hall of Fame. Uh, I'm with Brad. I got to go to one Indy, um, even though their their results aren't really anything all that spectacular so far this season. We're sitting on three. I think they're sitting on five. Five, does that sound right? Five through four games. So um, they're they're not tearing the world up. But um, uh, yeah, I still think uh, I think we have some issues to work through. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I'm I, not I laughing at you. I'm laughing at Matt's. I'm laughing at Matt's uh, comment there. I totally, I think, agreed by most people that are true Orange County uh, supporters. There, um, Aiden was a great guy uh, with his time with Orange County. I appreciate him. Uh, you know, reached out to us on the podcast after joining us a few times, I believe. And you know, when he, when he knew he was moving on, um, he he let us know and and shared the love with us. And that was when it was, I think, what Dylan, Andy, and me. Or not Andy, Allen and me, one of the A's. Um, and Andy, but uh, don't forget and, about producer was, Andy. He has run the show. Was Andy part of it at the time? So well, I can't sorry. remember. Yeah, I can't remember if Andy was part of the show at that time or not. I can't remember. So thankless. We thanked Robbie Kiernan. I'm going to thank producer Andy. <laughs> contribution still very. Helpful. But uh, I, I, I would, I would go. I know we talked about the USL championships, you know, or USL Hall of Fame. I, I think he would be if you know Orange County started doing retired jersey or something he'd be one of the nominees for that because he had such a a good time with orange county he was one of the best players during his time here um if not for uh thomas and Olsen's great season he might have been you know a, a possible winner of an mvp that year uh what in 2018 i believe uh so uh with indy coming in uh i know it's tough but we're gonna get our first win i'm gonna call it right now we're getting our first win of the season first Three points of the season, two one Orange County in that match, um, and make sure Brad Brad will uh, be angry if we don't get these predictions actually officially in. So Dylan, Larry, uh, and anyone else listening, get those predictions officially in. Um, let's wrap things up. Random thoughts quickly. Uh, let's go in reverse order this time. So who went last last time? Was it you, Brad? No, it was Larry. I wasn't on the show last time. I'm talking about. Okay, never mind. Let's go to Brad. Random thought. Um. Can we stop seeing gun stuff every week in the uh, news, please and thank you, world, uh, United States? It's a, I hate bringing it up, but it keeps coming up. Larry? Um, let's stay with soccer random thoughts since we're almost out of time. Wrexham Football Club is just six points away from clinching a promotion back up into League Two. Uh, for the first time in God knows since I ha- since I had hair, um, so congratulations to Rob McElhaney and the Deadpool. Uh, nice to see that when you make a few million dollar investment, that the investment pays off in not too much uh, not too much longer of a time. And I, I think I heard what Deadpool is offering basically a, a bonus if, to all the players if uh, they get that promotion, which is pretty fun. Um, Dylan, random thought from you. I mean, how cool is it that a, a professional YouTuber made that penalty save today? Um, we'll just ignore the career that came before that one. Um, I'm I'm maybe starting to think that I might be the lucky charm um, for the team. I, I came to a match last week and we won. Um, really? Didn't make it down and, and we, we lost. Uh, you know, it was a bit of a drive to El Paso and I was at work a couple hours before. So it was just a little too tight to swing. So... Um, 
we shall see. If we win the next time, maybe that's the key. I mean, I was there in Tampa. Anything's possible. <laughs> yes, and we haven't won since. But we maybe will I'm the talisman. Who knows? <clears throat> All right. Maybe, Dylan. Maybe you're the person. So basically what Dylan is saying is he needs to be at every single match. And um, so if you do not see Dylan at a match, you need to call him, text him, tweet him, Facebook him, Instagram him, MySpace him, Friendster him, uh, email him, whatever you can do to get his attention and get him a championship soccer stadium to make sure Orange County gets a win. Or yes, if they're on the road, the like if they're in Hartford, get him, buy his ticket for him to go to Hartford. Yeah. Um, and for those who are listening and definitely couldn't tell, uh, not, I'm not serious. Um, do not call me. Thank you. We'll, we'll make sure to share his number with everyone so you can call him when he doesn't show up to matches. Um, but also so you can call him Just to let him know you buy tickets to the, to the flights. Um, here we go. Random thought for me. Uh, I'm upset that there's no requirements to stream or broadcast the open cup matches. Uh, it, it's ridiculous that an MLS club can't produce a stream for a match in the open cup and they're not required to, uh, I'm calling you out Portland Timbers, change your thoughts, get a, get a stream going. We've done it before. It's not difficult. It doesn't have to look professional, I guess, but we, we didn't look great, but we still did it. And we talked about matches and we strum, strum, stream something, um, do it, uh, because it sucks for orange County fans that might not get to watch, uh, the open cup match against Portland, unless they want to fly up to Portland. It's not expensive, but it, who wants to fly to Portland midweek on a work week and whatnot. So I, I think it should be a requirement for uh, upper level, upper division teams to basically be forced to stream matches, whether it's MLS, USL championship, or even USL league one. Um, it's something that's not too difficult to do. That's my rant. I apologize. But um, Hey, Portland, if you can't do it, you want to hire us to come up and do it. We'll do it for you. Um, we'll be biased and we'll cheer for orange County, but we'll still do it for you. Uh, that is going to be a wrap on, on all of this. Uh, I want to thank everyone as always, Mr. Brad, Mr. Larry, Mr. Dylan, Andy in the backgrounds doing all the production side of things. And also our guest tonight, uh, the legend for orange County soccer club champion, Robbie Kiernan. Uh, again, hopefully we get to see much more from him, uh, in the local soccer scene for all of y'all that participated, uh, on the uh, chats. I apologize if we didn't get to answer all your, or ask all your questions for Robbie. Uh, but due to time constraints, we had to try and wrap things up. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. Stay safe, everyone, and we're out. Oh!